From high above First Street South in the sizzling city of Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Arthur Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are storytelling and exploits. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. One thing I like about us being in the same room together, which is still brand new to us, yes. <laughs> having mm-hmm. forgotten everything from the before times, <laughs> is that we're much more uh, uh, tight in that opening when we, we each say who we are and what we do. Yeah. <laughs> when we're on Discord, like I think you've all experienced this, like the delay happens mm-hmm. and you're like, wait, why isn't the next person going? Right. Oh, because they haven't heard me finish speaking right. yet. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really just, a, even when it's good, it's like a half a second or whatever, it's like mm-hmm. still kind of rough it's nice to be so connected you yeah. s- you are saying that on our second take of the intro after listeners we don't have to know that into <laughs> giggles <laughs> there were no giggles listeners we've been doing this no 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 we're <laughs> professionally we, always we know what we're doing mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a a promise <laughs> uh steven what's happening right now e3 is right happening now? right now Li- literally at this moment as we record right these words e3 is doing things yeah we like, talked about it on the show before, but like I really enjoy the press conference nonsense. Like yeah. it's just kind of it's just fun. I know it's phony and whatever. Um, and I definitely you know I don't like NDAs and secrets. Listeners know that, but I do love like trailers and reveals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm all day because we've been doing the show. Um, and we have been you know doing show uh, meetings and stuff today while the Xbox conference is going on. Yeah. Um, I'm like I'm not gonna look at Twitter because like I'll just I'll see I'll see it. You know, as a show, in the way that they intend, when they're—I haven't had the restraint. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, li- listeners know already. Spoiler for me: What happened? I mean, uh, I ha- I haven't been fully paying attention to it because Stephen, obviously- give me all the details. <laughs> you want me to record a podcast and watch E3? <laughs> <laughs> too much uh-huh. multitasking uh, isn't real well, what, what got your attention okay anyway? so the, like the main thing is bethesda's new that starfield i don't remember, I don't remember the starfield that that space game yeah. that they're working on yeah it's supposed to be out late next year mm-hmm. um november i think yeah so that's pretty big because i think they've been working on that for a long time. putting a date on it is something yeah mm-hmm. um which means there's not it's not an elder scrolls game and that's <laughs> what i want but you know um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're working on the next one aren't they that's what they said there's a little trailer and there were mountains and that's all we're supposed to know about Elder Scrolls 6. Steven is not satisfied. No, I want I want to know what the next game is so I can mod the heck out of it because I know the gameplay is going to be trash. We already so. knew there were going to be mountains. Come on, Bethesda. I know. Jeez, that doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> um, next so yeah. thing they're going to say is they're going to be swords. Right. What? I'm shocked. Well, um, I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes one of us. No, I want to know what the game is about. Uh-huh. There are other things that are happening too. Y'all probably know more than we do at this moment. So yeah. uh, just look at look it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we might have a link or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fun. Like I don't take any of it seriously, but yeah. I do sort of just enjoy it. It's kind of yeah. I used to enjoy it a lot more when I was growing up. I don't yeah. enjoy it as much anymore. And mostly mm-hmm. watch Nintendo's things. You probably took it more seriously when you were growing up. That's true. You know? I probably did. You've become immune to hype in your older age. Yeah, you you got the, you have to develop that kind of like uh, just like treat it. Like, yeah, you can't take it at face value because yeah. it's preposterous, like yeah. how seriously they take these things. None of their release dates they announce are like, I'm not going to hold anyone to any of those. Yeah. Like, 
you know, things get delayed. I'm going to skip the various racing games that I'm not interested in. Yeah. <laughs> or whichever military shooter. Yeah. Like, Just Dance was announced, you know, shocker. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of a big deal because it wasn't Just Dance very much tied to all the motion control stuff. Actually, I a lot think of that left. the new Just Dance is not going to be on the Wii. So that is kind of big news because yeah. it's been on the Wii forever. Um, and now it is not. Oh, but you know, it will a really be fun on fact, Stadia. This Stadia. Is, yeah, that's <laughs> a, a really fun fact about Just Dance is yeah. if you search for like maybe I guess it was two years ago or whatever when the the, the last Just Dance for the Wii came out. Mm-hmm. It was the last Wii game ever. There, yeah. Somebody wrote an article about it and we talked about it on the show. And so we got cited in this article. Oh, and this was like no one had ever cited us for anything. Yeah. So if you search for like on Google for Nice Games Club in the news tab, yeah. it just shows up this one article about Just Dance. <laughs> <laughs> wow that's, that's how much competition great. there was for talking about just dance at that time <laughs> that's pretty good like speaking of being an antidote to hype <laughs> <laughs> there's exactly. that story from mark <laughs> okay uh, so there's other news uh, as well yeah. um we talked about it or rather i uh, sneakily edited in a mention of it in last week's episode uh, our friend chel wong uh who was a guest on the show a while back and pal of the show um she has a uh, a thing she does every year for able gamers which is to get a bunch of video game composers have them write original music during the month of february i think is when it is every year and then put out a record and then uh, uh proceeds go to able gamers and she did it again this year but oh man the response was something there was 54 develop or 54 for composers who contributed music um, and so it became a double album and the theme the, for the, the jam um, if you want to call it that was dreams and so there's it's a double album awake and asleep it's very very fun because the, the theme was thought up before it was decided to split and it was still perfect so very yeah. very cool uh, the album art is, is gorgeous and uh, uh, Chell Shepard this project bigger than the previous ones <laughs> and I, I have a piece of music on there I wrote something for it awesome. so um, which is like I've written music I wrote music for Nice Games Club but it's not something I've I really do for other people generally and so um, or for its own sake in fact so it was a really fun experience for me and for a good cause so that's on sale now we'll have the link in the show notes uh, but you can just search charity EP jam that's the name of the project uh, and then this year's album is called dreams so give that a go yeah speaking of good news and good causes. Mm-hmm. The Palestinian aid bundle ended recently, like it, a couple of days ago. Yeah, yesterday. from where we're sitting, it was just the other day. Yeah, uh, it'll be a week or two since uh, when you're listening to it. Um, uh, but it was a big success, right? Yeah, it. Re- what was it? Nine hundred thousand dollars. Nine hundred and two something something and change. Yeah, so much money. It was a ton of money. Yeah. And uh, again, another friend of the show, Alana Lanier, put that together. Yeah, I am so proud of her. Like she, it just started as this little thing. And I was like, oh, hey, I'll, I'll, we'll put Widget Satchel in there. That sounds great. And then like a couple of days later, she's like, OK, OK, um, a lot of people are interested. <laughs> <laughs> and it ended up being over a thousand games. And at the end, uh, you know, a couple of big heavy hitters like Celeste and Minute, the big uh, you know, indie heavy hitters. Uh, a lot of them were in last year's Racial Justice Bundle as well. Mm-hmm. And this is another opportunity. One, if you missed out on that one to get a hold of these games. Yeah. But for an, also a very good cause. Right. Right. Uh, raised a ton of money. So that's yeah, really, really exciting. That's very good. Mm-hmm. And then Ellen. I heard that um, the Serious Play Conference is back. Yeah. Well, they've been doing it um, annually for a while now. And uh, since it got on my radar, I've been trying to go in person. (laughs) (laughs) And usually the thing that got in the way of that was work scheduling because just like the nature of my job, things change very, or at least did change very fast. Um, And that made scheduling something like this really difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I went contracting, but... There was COVID, (laughs) so uh, we weren't really able to do that in person. And they're doing it online again this year, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is smart. 
but I am going to volunteer this year. Ooh. And that's going to be cool. I would have much preferred to volunteer in person because I like seeing people in person. You Plus know? they give you like a t-shirt, right? Probably. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to give me, like, they're not going to give me a t-shirt. The point is, is I'm going to be able to see a whole bunch of stuff. And then um, if you're a red, if you're a participant or if you're a volunteer, you're going to get links to all the videos for all the different tracks. But they have just so much good stuff. Like they have like two or three days worth of material for the regular conference and then like pre and post conference stuff. And then they have like, they're going to have videos for all the different sessions and they have like five tracks worth of sessions. Wow. And when I say track, they have like a different focus. There's like an entire track that's like K through 12 games for learning and games for learning in higher education and games for learning in like corporate. And there's a design track, I think, and there's the, the healthcare track. And so I'm going to be volunteering with the healthcare track and helping to manage the session recordings and upload them and get them all nicely edited for people um, to look at down the road. And I'm really excited because I don't really, I mean, I know generally how um, simulations and games are being used in healthcare, but there are a few different sides, there are different sides to that within healthcare, right? Sometimes games can be used to train healthcare professionals, but there are also therapeutic games, which we talked about um, a couple weeks ago with Adam Davis. Yeah. Um, and there are also, it's not just like mental health care, but also games that have been used to like help burn victims manage their pain. You know, oh, like mm -hmm. there's tons of cool stuff. And I'm not really plugged into that scene because I don't work in healthcare. Um, I'm really looking forward to to working the conference and learning a whole bunch. That's great. Like it's you contributing your time, but also you're going to you're going to get a lot out of it. Like yeah. in an area that you have a particular interest in, but not a lot of exposure to. That's so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, that's coming up, I think, before the end of the month. And I'll talk about it here, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have links in the show notes for that stuff, too. If I think this episode will be out before then, right? Yeah, it might be the week of, but yeah. So listen, if you're hearing this now, check that link. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I think we've gone on long enough. I, yeah, I just want to just chat with you guys all day. Now that we're actually here, like, I don't want to get into the topics. <laughs> just want, like, <laughs> What, well, what else is new with you? Skip, skip the topic. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> but no, that's what that's what you know. That's, that's what why people are here. here. So, uh, <laughs> well, you know, it makes sense because people really like telling stories. Yeah, and listening oh. to stories. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Uh -huh. So let's talk more about that. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done, excellent. A plus transition. Uh, my topic is storytelling. Uh, it's a pretty big topic. I wanted to have like a better title for it, a better name for it. But like putting in the outline, like, no, that's kind of just what it is. Storytelling. Um, and uh, so I wanted to talk about just the sort of broad ways that games tell stories. And it's not I think a lot of people kind of like, oh, I, I think I understand. But I want to walk through a little bit of them and kind of what's useful about it. And also, when you think about the games of your own that you make, which approaches you take and identifying which of those approaches. Because I think a lot of times we, we kind of just do it. Right. Yeah. Unless you're making like a visual novel that's specifically a story game. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times uh, we don't do a lot of thinking in terms of like how we categorize the work that we do in that. And I think that's OK, actually. Um, I think there's probably maybe fair disagreement on that point, how much you should be planning out various aspects of your game. But but I think it might be helpful to have a little bit of a framing. So that's what I'm going to try to do here. Yeah. Um, so the first thing is just like games as a medium for stories. Yeah. So this is the visual novel approach. Right. Um, this is something that like a lot of indie games will be story first. And so they will um, be um, light on gameplay or uh, not terribly innovative on gameplay by design. Uh, 
Sorry, not to disagree with you because uh-huh. you're you're right. This is the focus of like the, how visual novels work and things. But I think that there is some innovation in some like you can make some interesting gameplay through through the medium of no. Games. I I don't disagree. Yeah. I, I I mean that generally in, in, games in this category um, mm-hmm. that I'm talking about. Yes. I'm not saying all visual novels. Oh but, yeah, but yeah, I do think most visual novels. Sure, but I think it's fair to disagree with me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, that the purpose of the gameplay is to tell the story. Oh yeah, I agree and, completely. And, and yep. the gameplay, it can be, but also it doesn't put a lot of demands on the gameplay. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable way to make a game. I don't, yeah. I don't think that makes a, the gameplay lesser than. Yeah. A, a good example of this okay. is uh, Greece. Did either of you play Greece? No. It's a platformer that has this amazing hand-drawn art style. And it, it sort of tells this story of loss and grief mm-hmm. that kind of slowly reveals to you what it's about. It's a little bit mysterious. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of go in thinking like, oh, this is beautiful. And then later on, you go like, oh, I know what story has been being told to me. Meanwhile, the gameplay is pretty basic platforming. Mm -hmm. I would almost call it like uninspired in a way, but that's Mm -hmm. not the point of it. And I think if I think that it would be restrictive to audiences if it focused more on gameplay. Mm -hmm. Now, there are other types of games and we'll talk about those where those things are more in tandem. But I think that's kind of the point I want to make in this topic is like sometimes we talk about like the best way to combine these things. Yeah. But I think it's perfectly OK to focus on one over the other because mm-hmm. one matters more to you as a designer or one is going to matter more to your audience. And I think there's a lot of examples of that where like a visual novel could also be a full motion video game. Where, yeah. You know what I mean? Where you where you have a performed uh, cast and and then you choose options. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, that's another um, way to do that mechanic. But. An example of that that you're describing here would be like her story or yeah. the, the, the pseudo spiritual sequel. What's the name of the game? Uh, I can't remember it. I will put it in the show. Yeah. <laughs> you like search through a database of video of full motion videos yeah. effectively to come to your own conclusions about what the story is. Right. So I would argue that that follows a little bit more into my second category, oh, okay. which is and it might not be second on my list, but it's the second one we're going to talk about, <laughs> which is games where the mechanics are central to telling the story. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's I think when you talk about a visual novel, that's true of a visual novel, I mm. think. But I would say and this is maybe splitting hairs, but I think a, a game like Her Story, it's the mechanic is such that you couldn't you could watch a YouTube video, yeah. like a YouTube playthrough yeah. of a visual novel. Yeah. And the story wouldn't feel that much different. Now the gameplay would be different, your experience would definitely be different. Sure. And there would be something lost from that. Right. Um but in a, in a case of Her Story, so much of the way you experience the story is through those mechanics. Yeah, okay. And so I, I, w- I would put that, but these are fuzzy categories. No, I, I, so I agree kind with of you know what you're going for because yeah. it's still, story is still principle. Mm-hmm. That's why the game exists. Yeah. Like the gameplay is interesting and innovative, but it's not as important. So it's still, it still fits, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it makes it harder to, to, no, to but categorize. I, I, I think things. you're right. I think you're right. Like the game design is meant for it helps you tell that story and it's not yeah. it's not really that like there's a story being told and you're like a part of it it's that you are the one telling and exploring the story in a weird way does that i don't know how much sense that makes but you know <laughs> yeah, I, I do what you mean yeah, okay. yeah yeah cool um somebody put to the moon on the list of examples oh i put that on there i love that it. game yeah to the moon have you, have you played it yeah oh it's like one of the this is one of the few games that I've nearly teared up at. Yeah, I, um, I cried myself to dehydration. So wow. it's really, I can play this game. Yeah, it's really good. So it's it's made by it's an it's an RPG maker game. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically you just play as like these two. Uh, oh boy, it's been a long time since I played it. I hope I remember correctly. You play <laughs> as these two scientists who like use this device to go through the memories of this older person, mm-hmm. um, who's I think dying of cancer or something. Mm-hmm. You get a better sense of because this person wanted to. Um, do you do you remember Ellen? What it is? They were yeah. I think 
if I remember correctly, which is also a big if, <laughs> um, they were going through the memories to try to figure out like what they, how they wanted to construct the last moments of this person's life. Yeah. And they were going to like simulate something that they really wanted, but weren't able to achieve in life or something That's like that. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so as you like explore these memories, you get to have a better sense of who this person was, uh, you know, through their life mm -hmm. and what they experienced. And like, there's a bunch of things that are revealed and things that are very sad and cathartic in some ways. And it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Bittersweet game. Yeah, yeah, it's a bittersweet game. Just watching you describe it with like a big smile on your face, like because it does seem deeply impactful, but mm -hmm. it, it you just seem so happy that it's that it exists. Yeah, that's it was, cool. I, yeah, it was really good. Love games really like good. that. Yeah, <laughs> it, takes, it just takes a couple hours to play. Like, it's, yeah. yeah, it's pretty short, too. Yeah. So, cool. um, yeah. And, and that's I mean, that's key to this sort of category, right? Is like the story is so vital and important. That's the thing that matters most. And so the mechanics can sometimes get in the way of that. You need something interesting, a way to tell it with the mechanics, right? Mm -hmm. And and that can and that could be novel or it could be something you've seen a million times before. It has to eventually be something that you that gets out of your way. Yeah. So that the story can be told. Yeah. Right? Am I describing is that described to the moon pretty well? Yeah. Like I think a lot of the mechanics, most of it is just it's kind of like a visual novel mm -hmm. in that you just kind of move to new places and do things. Yeah. But like it, uh, there are some gamey things in there and you have to like solve some puzzles. Um the puzzles are relatively easy. You're not punished for like looking up hints or whatever to get through them. Sure. And uh, you know, it doesn't they're not super relevant to the story. Yeah. So yeah, yeah they're kind of just like they, they they I think they like mostly break up the story for the player. Mm -hmm. Gives them something to do while they're like I don't know, reminiscing on right. whatever. And that has utility in the in the the that that makes that kind of story easier to tell. Yeah, it's why it's it's why it's a game and not another type of medium. Because mm. I think it's easy to say like, oh well, if the gameplay is not as important, then why is it a game at all? Yeah, it's like no, it's important. It's just not the most important thing. Yeah, and I think that 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 um, we do speak in superlatives a lot as designers. Like, what's the best, most efficient? you know, like most user friendly, like <laughs> way to do this or that. Yeah. Right. But uh, sometimes you have to say like, no, 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 you actually just categorize and, or, or uh, prioritize uh, well, uh, the different things you're going to do. It doesn't up, mean that they're not important. You bring yeah. up a good point too, because like, I think that um, part of the things that makes video games different from like other forms of media is that like the player is in control of the pacing of things mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, And so like, it might make some stories easier to tell because like they can approach it in a way that makes sense for them. Yeah. Like I know yeah. there are some hard like some movies that are really good but they're like really hard watches mm -hmm. because like it's just like 2 hours of intense things happening all the whole time. Tenet. Like, or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or like or like you know or it's just like kind of slow or something. I don't know. There's, right, there's right. a bunch of different ways you can you approach movies too. Tenet also pretty slow. <laughs> <laughs> Both accuracy. <laughs> yes. Um and so like uh with video games like the the player has control over that. To some extent. Yeah. And so they can speed it up or slow it down to to better approach how they are able to take yeah. this. And on the flip side, there's also certain types of stories that would be poorly told as in, in game yeah. form. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. That's sometimes difficult because with sometimes the story you want to tell is not it's like, oh, but this would be kind of just better as a long cutscene mm -hmm. in my game. Yeah. Rather than as a part of my game. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. you have to like decide, well, my game isn't really set up for long cutscenes. Mm -hmm. Maybe it should be. And like there's Everything's connected to everything, as always, right? Yeah. <laughs> it always comes back to that in the end. Yep. Yep. Um, one of the things I think before we move on to the next full category here is mm -hmm. to talk about games that have a lot of story but are not this. So I think a lot about like Western RPGs, like like um, like games like The Witcher, yeah. or even Mass Effect, which is you know has lots of lore, but I I I don't, and it might be the most important thing to a lot of people. It might be the thing they remember the most. In those cases, those games are meant to be those are action games that are meant to be played as action games. The story is. Um, it's vital and it's important, but I wouldn't say that 
uh, it would fall in this category. Does that make sense? Like it's like games that are have lots of story don't always mean that they they are the ones that uh, where the story is the most important. Yeah. Even if it's important that they have a lot of story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me because mm-hmm. like, especially with Mass Effect, because there's a whole lot of like background stuff and things you don't really need to pay attention yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Um, right, you don't have to. It's it, it's really what makes that game special in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. The play of Mass Effect is more important. Yeah. It's more important to play the game. Yeah. And the, the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, just like a, it, it's, it has nothing to do with how much or how little story there is. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, haikus exist, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, can, they can be powerful, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about um, the, uh, the the thing that you were touching on, games where the mechanics are sort of central to the telling. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that we kind of all uh, we strive for. And we've talked about on this show, like that's kind of like a goal. Mm-hmm. Like that's what games should be. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I've mellowed on that or, I, or I've just become, I have a more... Uh, nuanced or more or like I just thought about it more sure. but I think l- I'm, I'm less I'm less wanting to promote that to people as the is the best way to make games hmm, okay. even though I kind of want my games to do that yeah yeah you know Why, uh, what do you think has changed I, I think it's just a, a, a greater appreciation for other ways of doing it okay if that makes sense that's fair um, this when you when mechanics are are in a way that that is how the story is told where it's vital to the telling and um, that's something that I think only games can do. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that that's what all games should do. Sure. I agree I with think. that very much so. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess I have noticed that like when I'm playing a game where like the mechanics and the narrative are fairly unrelated. Yeah. I become less interested in either the game. It's or either the mechanics of the game or the story of the game. Yeah. So like I'm still, you know, gung ho. Well, together, maybe so I have mm-hmm. to care about them both. <laughs> well, maybe it's a case. Well, because I, I do agree with you there. Yeah. Maybe it's a case of like. Make sure they're not at odds. Yeah. And that every game should do. Yes. Yeah. But I maybe once you once they're not at odds, then you should be free to decide how they interrelate. Mm-hmm. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. I think that's good. Um, the examples I thought of this were actually maybe not quite ones you'd expect, but like Hades is a good example of this. Oh, oh um, yeah. Where yeah. like that game makes a roguelike make sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's the only roguelike that actually tracks basically. <laughs> right. Because it like it uses the that it uses the mechanics of a roguelike in in a way that that story couldn't be told in any other gameplay genre. Yeah. Um, because of the way you feel. And once you get to the end, that it's not the end. Mm-hmm. And what were you even fighting for? Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can develop relationships with characters sort of in a repetitive fashion yeah. that only works in this genre. It's a genre I do not like, but like I have so much admiration for how those things are put together. Yeah. Um, and I, I think a lot of people love the story and the setting and the lore. And some players like that more than they like the gameplay or they like yeah. it in spite of the gameplay they're not normally into. Mm-hmm. Other people are not into the story, but they like it because so it, it feels like a real balance in, mm. in a way that they're one can't be extracted from the other without making it destroying the whole game. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Hades is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that does make a lot of sense. I was having a hard time thinking of games that like, you know, tied like mechanics and story together in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That felt like, you know, inseparable. I will say, I mean, it's one of the things that that I know that I was trying to do with Widget Satchel, Mm -hmm. which was it's certainly I wouldn't call it a grand example of this, but it's something that went into a lot of my thinking when doing a lot of the lore writing in that game. Yeah. About how, um, you know, certainly at the end of the game, when you decide whether to escape or to go back, I want the player's motivations to be driven by the story, not by what is more interesting mechanically, Mm -hmm. but giving them that that option and sort of like reframing it was sort of important to me. The idea that like Sprocket is knocking crap around and causing trouble. But at no point are you meant as a player to feel like you're breaking anything, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, even though you are blowing things up, 
Yeah. And and that only that that works because the story and the mechanics go together. The success of that is up to the player. Sure, uh, and right. I guess, but it's something I was definitely thinking about when when tying that stuff together. Um, but you know, because we all worked on that, it wasn't maybe as single mind as it, it might have been in another case. But you worked on the choice thing. Like I don't think yeah. we had much hand in that. No, other no, than but, you talking about. But I mean, like the the sort of the weight mechanic and the sure. level design and yeah. stuff that we all worked on as a team. That was something independent of this kind of angle on it. But, oh, but, I, but I wrote all the story for the game, and so yeah. I wanted to make sure that the story was driven by the mechanics, and that the the mechanics just determined what the story could be, mm-hmm. uh, and what it what this what couldn't be said in the story. Yeah, um, that was important to me, yeah. and I think that's something that um, maybe it was just in service of not having them fight each other. That yeah. that thing that you're saying that, yeah. that that a game shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Another example, I think, another indie game is Bug Snacks. Did either of you play Bug Snacks? No, you're going to have to explain this one to me. Actually, I can't because <laughs> oh, no. in order to describe how fully connected the mechanics and the story of Bug Snacks are, yeah. because I because really, the first time you pick up the controller, nut does not make any sense that they have anything to do with each other. Mm. It's like, this is a cute <laughs> island. This is a fun story. These are adorable characters. These mechanics have nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it, the game does conclude. This might not be fair because it's not. I'm just you just have to trust me, dear listener, unless you play it. It's a bit spoilery to reveal a lot of the tie in. Okay. But it's, um, it, it's not that it's a big it's a huge twist or anything. It's more like a dawning realization. Sure. Um, but it's very clever in that the story cannot be told if not for the way the mechanics make the player feel engaging with them. Oh. Um, which is really interesting because it's a, it's a it's a pretty light experience. Yeah, and that's kind of why that's why I wanted to use this example uh, and and Hades also because they're not ones that would come to mind immediately, mm-hmm. right? Because this isn't always about telling the biggest story or about having the most unique mechanics. It's about just you know mixing them up in a jar together, I guess. Yeah, right. Synergy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and actually, Hades is a good example of this too because like um, Super Giant. Kind of has been making the same game for years. And yes. I'm not saying that as a slight end, though. I think that that's great. Right. Because, like, they're just refining on their, you know, that game. Mm-hmm. But um, because they've been doing that, they have an understanding of what that game can do and what stories they can tell through that game. Mm-hmm. So they were able to create Hades due to that, all of that experience. Yeah. And so, like, but, like, even, I mean, even with Bastion, they did have a focus on narrative in that, like, you know, all the actions you take the narrator would you know comment on it or something oh the boy fell down the well or whatever <laughs> yeah um and so like that I, I think that like all of that all of that experience they were able to bring that into hades yeah you know as we have tried to strive for that kind of thing we we just i think we just need to get more practice at it. as developers i'm ta- i'm kind of talking about it for myself too yeah like we just have to like you just have to do it a lot mm-hmm. and then you start you get better at it and then you know eventually you may yeah the, that's a great that example one. because uh i i didn't play a lot of pyre so i might not be being, being fair but yeah. the little of pyre i played felt like they didn't do a great job of it there it was, yeah, it was more like the, the the mechanics fit the setting yeah but not the yeah. story well and that's a good example too because pyre is quite actually is the one game that they've made that's quite different from the yeah, other it's games kind of a made. black sheep compared uh, to the other ones yeah i mean you yeah, can look at I, hades and you can see the genealogy and you can see i think elements of the design of pyre that came through Mm -hmm. so it's clear that they learned some things that they liked in making pyre that they then also adapted into hades but (laughs) pyre played really different differently than every other (laughs) super giant game i've played and i think i've played them all at this point so dog was cute though (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the one other example that i have to touch on Mm -hmm. um is is um hypnospace outlaw Oh, which yeah. I mentioned because I'm I'm working on that the, with that team on the ne- their next project now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I played through the whole thing again to get a sense for a lot of the, the frameworks and systems uh, that they're 
uh, working with cool. and just thinking about, man, I was on the internet in the late nineties. Yeah. So like, mm. I, and just the way that game tells its story by having the versions of the web pages you visit change based on actions that happen in the game and the way that you don't always know what happened because these are basically the personal home pages of characters whose lives you will never know. Mm-hmm. You'll only see the way that they presented in there. And so you can, you can see who's the unreliable narrator and, and all these little mini stories, but then all, everyone's swept up in larger events that they all react to. Yeah. And um, that can only be told in that way. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to shout that out. Uh, I'm working with that team now, so I'm a little bit motivated there. <laughs> uh, but the, so, okay. So uh, last category I want to talk about yeah. is the, this is a place kind of thing where you okay. you build lore, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that um, there's a Star Trek podcast I listen to that, that says a lot that Star Trek has a place. You can tell any kind of story with any type of character because the world exists for you to populate with it. Mm-hmm. That's sure. what makes Star Trek, I think, better than other kinds of science fiction universes where the science fiction universe is the main plot of the Skywalker saga or whatever is like so central to anything that happens there, which isn't to say that there's a million other stories. Yeah, but it still all comes back to that. Um, this is true of lots of other things. And uh, um, I only bring up the Star Trek example, Stephen, <laughs> to get us as an example, because yeah. a lot of video games are like this. Um, uh, Mario is like this. Mm. Mario, the Mushroom Kingdom is a place. Yeah. Right. You can tell you can you can race carts. You can, <laughs> you can do whatever. Yeah. Um, you, you can you know, it's, you can smash brothers. You can do it, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, and you can rescue the princess and yeah. you can rescue somebody else uh, as the princess. Like yeah. it's all it's all setting. Right. And it's all and that Mario does not have a very robust lore, but yeah. it still is a place. But other systems like the Zelda, anything that has a lot of lore where the games themselves the new uh, installment can be anything Mm -hmm. that's really exciting. And that's very different from, again, from the tying those things together so much is to have something that is a place. And I think that's a really powerful thing because you can have a game that can have lots of different um, uh, frameworks, a game that can change over time. It can, it can be an action game that also has late stage puzzles Sure, because the mechanics are not so tied to the story that that would be weird. Yeah. I I think that makes sense. But I I mean, To talk about Star Trek, I guess a bit more like um, <laughs> I was giving you an out, but go ahead. No, like, well, what Star Trek does is it uses it its place to like, you know, describe things. It, it, they're, they're trying to tell a story or at least they're trying to like use this as a metaphor. So people, you know, yeah, it has a founding principle. Yeah. But, yeah. But, well, but not any- just a founding principle, but yeah. just like there's they're trying to say something about stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like Mario and Zelda. I mean, Mario games aren't really trying to say things about stuff, and that's fine, I guess. But like, oh, okay, but, okay. But I mean, it's, I'm saying they're not using the place to tell a story in those kinds of examples. Oh, that see, I didn't even think about it that way. Okay, I was thinking more of just like a, this is the quality of this that that works for it. Yeah, it is a quality, uh, but I, I, I mean, that's the thing I like most about Star Trek is yeah. that it does that in the service of you know of a point right um yeah mario doesn't do that you're right yeah um oh, boy i just defended star trek on the podcast i mean it's recorded yeah. it's recorded <laughs> but no that's really interesting because yeah. maybe maybe that's what would bring one of these kinds of franchises forward right mm-hmm. so assassin's creed of all is turned into this yeah where it, assassin's creed is a place because yeah. every game is just wildly different now yeah. it didn't used to be that way right right a, a lot a lot of the the mechanics of assassin's creed were more tied into the, how the story was told mm-hmm. that's less true now that's fine but the thing it is missing that it did used to have was a point. Right. So maybe yeah. that's something that could really like, yeah, I don't know. What are, what are good examples? If we can think of any of games that have said, and this is usually true of franchises, right? They have multiple entries. Uh, uh, they would be, yeah. Japanese RPGs are probably closer to what we're looking for here. Cause like, yeah. like Final Fantasy. Yeah. Those games. Right. And each one of them is its own place. 
Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And they, but they use like similar things to tie, like there's Chocobo in all of the Final Fantasy, right, games, right. I think, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like, well, I just meant that that's an example where the lore doesn't have to cross from it, yes. installment to installment. Exactly. You can just take Final Fantasy 15 all by itself and say that's a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so like you know, the, uh, I think the those kinds of familiarities tie people back into each of the games. Yes. So yeah. like you played Final Fantasy four, you can go to Final Fantasy nine and go, oh. This, I remember this thing. Like, <laughs> so, um, but like, yeah, they, you know, they tell different narratives. They tell different stories. There's a purpose for why right. that world, that place is the way that that place is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it allows them to tell a story. I think a lot of JRPGs probably are decent examples of, you know, taking a, a taking a place and making it a narrative. Right, right, right. And probably some of them veer a little bit closer to the story is paramount. And some mm-hmm. of them veer a little bit closer to like. The, the the story drives the mechanics, but I yeah. think it's probably more true of most of them that that that, that they are settings. Yeah, um, and that's kind of what drives a lot of that genre. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, the, that's pretty much my categories. I'm sure I missed a couple of sort of big things. I, I, the only other really topic here is like how endings are are, are done in games. Oh, yeah. Like how player choice was in there, but that feels like a whole other topic. That is a whole. I'm putting that's that down a as a future topic. Future topic. Yeah, because that's a good topic. I, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Like how these different types of games, how the stories are told. Like the endings are really important to that. Mm-hmm. And and even just like variations in how the, they play out it doesn't always have to be the ending that's different or whatever. Yeah. But how does that mean to how you. Yep. Let's save that for another time. Yes. <laughs> um, before we wrap this up, mm-hmm. I do want to mention Dark Souls potentially uh-huh. as oh, a series go. that fits into the last category because mm. I would be remiss not to mention it. And also I will hear from Eric if I don't because <laughs> he loves that series. And so do I. I it's. I beat the boss really easily, the first one, and then I didn't oh, the rest oh. of it because it was really hard. <laughs> and I don't have the patience oh. for it. But I do like to rub that in his face a little bit. Um, <laughs> I can't really articulate why I think it fits well in that category, mm-hmm. but I mean, it is a, an extended narrative. And I think all at least the Dark Souls games all occur in the same world yeah, at different times. And they all together have a point. So that's what came to mind as you were describing that. Sure. Yeah. And tons of lore, tons of juicy, juicy lore. Yeah, yeah. There's like a sort of a standoffishness from the, the storytelling uh, in, in those games. And I haven't played them, so this is mostly just from what I've heard, is that they are they exist, they surround you as you play, mm-hmm. but they're not part of the play necessarily. Is that, am I describing that correctly? Like, hmm. and, but, but, they're, but they're important. But like Dark Souls, those mechanics wouldn't work if it weren't for the place. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that the the place makes those mechanics make sense. Yeah. And the story that you have to glean from your interaction with the environment is what gives meaning to those mechanics. And that, I think, relates to the the metaphysical thesis of the whole series. So maybe it doesn't fit well in your last category, but... Well, it it was elevates it past like an arcade series. Yeah. And so that 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 sense of place is is the important dimension of it. So I I would say so. I Mm. mean... Having again, not a, not an experience playing those games, but just the way you've described it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, those games are too scary. So I stopped playing. <laughs> yeah, fire spiders are pretty freaky. <laughs> Speaking of scary things, fire spiders. Fire spiders. Uh-huh. We haven't talked about spiders on the show. That'd be an interesting topic that no one would be interested in. Spiders in games? Yeah, I don't know. The lowest listening listener count for any episode. Actually, that sounds like a PAX panel. (laughs) I I would definitely go to that PAX panel. Well, you know what? We've got a PAX panel worth of content on our website. Ooh. Expertly segued. Love it. (laughs) Yeah, we've got a bunch of past episodes. We talked about um, um, narrative design with Beth Cora. 
mm-hmm. uh, once before. Um, Ellen, you've got a huge list of things that are relevant to the topic we're talking about. Yeah, here. I was digging through our archives on the website, um, which is easy to navigate, and I came up with just tons of different uh, episodes that we where we've talked about something with narrative design um, or so on and so forth. So, like one of the most recent examples, narrative design with Beth Korth, um, and we talked about character dialogue i think and that might be interesting we talked about that with felix a long time ago i don't, oh, yeah. I don't think i was on that episode um before my time in in the olden <laughs> days um adio was on we talked about interactive fiction at one point yeah yeah so you've talked about interactive fiction a couple of times a bunch yeah. of times yeah yeah and the way you can find all these like related topics is you go to an episode you like and each topic has uh categories attached to them you click that link takes you to every time we've ever talked about that category yeah. on the show. Yeah. Going all the way back to the beginning. Uh, that's a really fun way for us as well to be able to research topics going forward. So it's been uh, it's a, re- a resource to us. So imagine uh, what it can be for you. You should check all those episodes out. NiceGames.club As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I don't have a good transition. Okay, I'll give me a second. Just cheat your way through it. It's okay. Oh my gosh, ah, that was so good. That was so it good. It would be good if exploits and cheats weren't. Well, no, they are kind of okay. It's a good. It's uh, a good. One. Wait, good are they one. different? Yeah. Well, mm, enlighten us. I that's, guess that's what you're here for. That's part of the conversation. We're going to discuss that. We're going to determine uh-huh. whether or not it's cheating or not. Well, I'm leaning in now. I'm very. Wait, intrigued. real quick. What's this topic? <laughs> exploit. Okay, <laughs> it's not cheating. We should maybe do we do a topic on cheating before cheats or that's a separate thing. We'll talk about that separately. I, I um, seem to remember we're all okay with people cheating. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Evil Games Club did cheating. Oh, did they? Yeah. That's funny. You can find that on the archives yeah. by going to nicegames.club. <laughs> I thought we were done with this part of the episode. No, no. <laughs> okay. Never. <laughs> yeah, okay. So yes, exploits are my topic. And I, I guess I wanna so I wanna describe what an exploit is. And differentiate it from other things that are kind of related to exploits, but are not exploits. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's re- I think exploits are related to cheating in that one could argue that exploits are cheating. But I would argue they're not because there's things that are like meant to be in the game. Uh-huh. But the exploits are different from glitches in that an exploit is the thing that is intentionally put in by the developers. Mm. But like can be exploited. I can't come up with a better word. Well, hold on. I want to... I've, yeah. I've never heard it described that way. I, okay. I've always heard of exploits is taking advantage of glitches and and it may or may not have been sneakily put in by a developer, oh. but isn't always. Okay. Am I am I I must be just thinking of it in a different I'm thinking of sort of like speedrunning definition. You you okay, you might not be I, I am approaching it from a and from a perspective uh fighting games. And so that's oh, probably why. Oh, I see. And so like I think that like exploits 
the exploiting term. an opportunity yes less than exploiting a vulnerability yes oh, okay yeah yeah exactly yeah that's actually right. that's a good way of describing it so yeah the way i see exploits is an exploit is like a thing that was intentionally put into the game by uh you know the developers but um they didn't anticipate it being used in the manner that it is being used mm. okay okay the, the 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 example i always think of is melee um super smash Bros. melee has wave dashing is is a thing that you can do. Um, if you'd air dodge into the ground, you slide. It ends up becoming a good method of like movement in that game. Yeah, and all of the like pro players use wave dashing to. Yeah, according to whatever I hear, you were talking about melee. It's the only way to move in that game. <laughs> Pretty all, a lot of it is. I think walking, like like they've tried to, they try to make walking more um, useful as they play it more because everything expands. That game is what's it, twelve years old, 13, 14 years old? I don't know. Very old. Don't look up the real number, Stephen. It okay. will make you sad. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> the fourteen. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, yeah. So, like, the, you know, that game has been out for a long time, and so like they're all they're constantly trying to you know in- increase their the, the 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 capabilities of their play. Yeah. Wave dashing isn't. It's not a glitch because like it's that is a consequence of what the how the game works. Like air dodging into the ground. It's just a consequence of how the physics engine in, in Melee works. Right. And how, you know, you can just air dodge in any direction. So um, these are like promoted edge cases. Exactly, yeah. Mm. And so effectively, it is an intentional thing that the developers put into the game. But they didn't. And in, 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 I think there was like an interview um, where um, Sakurai talked about the, the wave dashing as a mechanic. And we're like, oh, yeah, we know what this thing was. They didn't expect it to be as used as much as it is. But like we knew what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, that's an example of that. Whereas glitches are like things that are a consequence of the things that developers put into the game, but like are not intentional. Yeah. So like, right, clipping through a wall or whatever. Yeah, clipping yeah. through a wall and things like that. That's something that they you know, they didn't. I hope they didn't intend. Right. Or wall, maybe they wall did. jumping in in the first Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Those kinds of things. And so I think it's important to differentiate them because like glitches are things that like developers are not prepared for, and arguably, unless it like improves the game. Um, it's not something, you know, it's not something that like it, it you, we probably want to get rid of those in patches because we have that ability now in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, but like exploits, I think, you know, arguably, unless it's breaking things, maybe they could be good for a game or something. I like, I, I that's something I kind of want to talk about. Sure. Um, hmm. So yeah. it, it sounds like the way that you're describing it is if you were just looking at the code, maybe you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. Um, but an exploit is a known behavior yes. that players are using in a way that developers did not intend or did not anticipate. Yes. Okay. At, to their own advantage, to the player's own advantage in the game. Right. And in glitch, players will still use it to their own advantage of the game, but the developer would look at it and be like, oh no, that's broken? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. And these this is, these are not tentacle definitions, really. No. Right? These are kind of definitions. Because you could come up with some things that are like, I mean, they're glitches, but they're still the program still allows it. So it's not actually broken. Right, right. Well, yeah, the executable is still running correctly. Yeah, it's just but then an exploit is more like it's something that a developer might feel uncomfortable patching away. Well, So another might ruin a bunch of other mechanics. Yes. So another Mm -hmm. example of an exploit, and I think this is common in some of the older games. You you know, if you go to us, if you go to a store in the game and you buy this object, it's worth 10 coins or something when you buy it. But if you go to another store in the game and you sell that object, you get you get 15 coins back. Oh, yeah. So like you can buy a, a bunch of them here and, 
you know, sell them in another place. Right. That is an exploit and then it is intentional. The developers put those mechanics in there, but maybe they didn't anticipate people literally buying billions of soda cans and bringing them over to this other town. Right. It's like, this isn't a problem when people are behaving in the way we expect. In, in a, maybe a, per, a normal way, perhaps, <laughs> a goofy way. Yeah. yeah. But it turns out humans are goofy. So, mm-hmm. and that then exploits are born. Yeah. Well, then the question is, is when you say that the developers didn't expect uh, or didn't intend for a glitch with exploits, should they have seen it coming? Because it's not what they wanted. They, I mean, odds are they probably did see it coming when they were like, you know what? Uh, this game's pretty good. We don't need to worry about it. We're just going to send it out anyway. Okay. Or they were just, or or maybe they didn't. They really just didn't expect players to like, like buy all of these things and you know yeah. send gold to this whole new area and sell all of these mm-hmm. things to make so much money off of it or whatever. Yeah, I'm just putting myself in the mind of developer where players find one of these exploits and it becomes the core principle to the meta of the game. Yeah, like at a certain point, you know, the the death of the author or whatever. Mm. But like at a certain point, I, as the game developer, I would be like, I didn't want that. Yeah. Like, oh, so, yeah. But then, then, and you know, and I have the power to do something about it. But everyone's gonna be mad. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what that's what I want to talk about. Like, yeah. because I think that, like, uh, and and I see this in a lot of like speedrunning events and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. um, sometimes they will have developers on the show, on the show as they're like speedrunning and breaking the game yep. or whatever else. And sometimes the the developers are like, oh no, we should have broken that, or we should have fixed that before. We didn't notice that. I'm so I'm shocked that this is a thing that exists. Yeah. Other times, developers are like, oh yeah, we knew that was in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they never fix it. Or I've I've also heard stories where like um, the speedrunning community will like find this thing, and then the developers will patch it. Um, but then like the speedrunning community was like, "Hey, can you put this back in, or put it in another patch, or something, or yeah. give us the old patch, or something?" And then they're like, "Yeah, sure." And then they do it. They're saying like this is a problem, and then developers, or and then the speedrunning community is like, "Please don't fix this thing. We use it for this." In in most uh, most players, casual players won't notice it. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt most people, but there's a community formed around it. So yeah. why, why, why mess with them? Yeah. 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 Like, um, and th- so like, I find that really interesting because I, I, it, it can go in so many, I guess it goes back to like storytelling too, in, yeah. in a way, like thing, or you're trying to give the player a certain experience and this exploit, this, like this, in un this intended, but unintended thing that, you know, is in the game, you could fix it, but should you fix it? Is it is it actually going to help the game? Is is it actually a problem? Like, are most people going to even notice this thing? Yeah, mm. like that kind of stuff. You know, as you're talking through this, I, the MDA framework is making like helping me understand the implications of this. Because basically, what you're saying is you have an intentional mechanic, yeah. but an unintentional dynamic. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Yep. Whereas a glitch is an unintended mechanic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well. <laughs> Please, it worked so well, Stephen. I know it did. It was so nice and it had a bow on it. That's not technically correct. All right, well, it's 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 just that, like, I mean, like how Mark was describing. Yeah, it. we yeah. are like all of it. You programmed all of this stuff in. It all works. Yeah, but like, there's just a thing in there that you didn't want to be a thing in there, and maybe you tried to fix it and it didn't work or whatever. But like, it's still a thing that you didn't want in there, and it, it's a glitch. So I was technically correct. The best kind of correct. Because <laughs> I was listening to Ellen and I'm like, Ellen makes more sense than I made. I, maybe. Uh, you're all right. We're all winners here. Okay. <laughs> it goes back to definition of done. So get Eric on the show. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of telling is like there's there's a lot of language to use to describe these things. Yes. Yeah. Right. And even at the beginning where I was like, what are you talking about? What is that? Yeah. What like and I was trying to find my way to your understanding mm-hmm. of it. I think that's. Yeah, that is really interesting. And then 
you know, that's fine and all well and good if you want to like have an outline for a podcast or you want to write a paper on such a topic. Yeah. But then what happens when it, you know, your game meets a, a, a community, then what languages do you use versus what language do they use to describe these things? Yeah. So that I want to ask you about that because mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you, you're familiar with enough of these communities that have this meta that are formed around these kinds of exploits. Yeah. How, and, and yeah, developers tend to have a sort of a love hate relationship with this sort of thing and they can benefit from it in great ways. Yeah. Um, it, is that a common difficulty of like either party trying to make the other one understand what's good or bad about these things in a particular context? Um, or do people kind of just get by? Um, can you, can you rephrase that question? Never I don't know like- that I can. <laughs> <laughs> we'll think about it through the MDA framework. <laughs> that doesn't help me. Apparently. Oh, I was just throwing it out there in case. <laughs> I mean, basically just presenting the challenge of like, okay, I've made a game. Yeah. Players are using it in a way I didn't intend. Right. They don't either. They don't realize that's the case. Yeah. Or they're so excited about that. My feelings are, you know, X, Y or Z. Sure. OK. I don't I can't. I need to find a way to explain myself that I want to patch this out because gotcha. of, for this reason. Yeah. Or I need them to explain to me why I shouldn't patch it out. Oh, OK. Like, then you yeah. start talking about the language of like, what's a bug? And I what's totally. Not. OK. Now, I definitely see what you're, now you're coming from. And this like goes into like patches and things. Too, yeah. Because like these are things that like 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 the civilization community. Um, a lot of people complain about certain civilizations not being as powerful as other civilizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the time they, well, sometimes it happens in real life too. It does. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, um, and sometimes, you know, uh, people are talking about it from a, a, a an aspect of like multiplayer because yeah. like if, if you're playing a certain Civ and that Civ is just not as good in a multiplayer scenario, then like, it feels like you're just going to have a worse time than other players mm-hmm. playing more powerful Civs in that kind of a scenario. Right. Um, and civ- civilization is kind of weird too, because like you can control all of the rules, and you can kind of make somebody more powerful than another civilization, regardless of like how their actual balance level is. You mm-hmm. mean through gameplay or through modding? No, not through modding. Through through gameplay, through oh, okay. the game systems themselves. Like you, ah. you can change the maps or something. Yeah. Like, if you're yeah, a naval right. civ, you want more water. Yeah. There's ultimately too many variables for anyone to even understand what yes. more powerful means. That does not stop people from arguing about it, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, I, I think, like, with Civilization, like, a lot of the time, the, the developers, like, tend to pay attention to what the community is saying about things, and I think they're, like, there's a couple of people who are, like, more prolific in the in the, the scene who will, like, chat with other mm-hmm. uh, uh, people who play the game a lot and stuff. I don't know, they will, they don't, they don't, they sometimes explain it, like they'll just I, I think the way that civilization does it is they say, We we heard you. We're gonna make this uh civilization do fifty percent more damage in this scenario or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I hope not, because that's ridiculous. But uh <laughs> Um but um but they don't really like you know, they don't jump into a forum and say, This is the reason why we did this and detail a whole thing. Right. Um, whereas like there's a distance you need to maintain. But um in uh when I was in college, I um you know, I was really interested in reading about League of Legends and how, like, they went to the de- the development of of the you know the characters and stuff, mm-hmm. and why they decided to make patches and things they did. They actually went into a lot of detail on the forums to describe why they were doing these things, and people just complained to them about them. Eventually, <laughs> they created a distance between developers and players, partly because you know it's just a lot of stress, and people just yeah, gamers aren't the greatest at expressing themselves when they're angry about stuff. Um, and, uh, but also partly because like you, you, you kind of, as a developer, you have a better understanding of all of the different things that go into these 
characters and all, and all the different things that go into the mechanics and in the balance of all of these things. So you know what is and it what should shouldn't be part of the game, or at the very least, you have a better understanding of what you want to be um, in the game or not. What your intentions were exactly, yeah. So and 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 as players, you have your own motivations. Like I don't know, like if. if it's in Super Smash Brothers, I'm always a Kirby man. I want Kirby to be good mm-hmm. because I like playing Kirby. Um, if like the developer of Super Smash Brothers is like, well, Kirby's too good in this game, we're gonna need to change a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Me as a player, I'll be like, what? I like Kirby. Why you gotta change Kirby? But like, <laughs> <laughs> as a developer, you're like, I I gotta think about all of the other characters in the game, and I need to make sure that all of these things yeah make sense. If Kirby's got some exploit where like when you copy someone's ability, it's three times more powerful than it should be. And it's causing Kirby's like metagame to stagnate and it's causing everybody to play to focus on playing Kirby. And like you have to figure out ways to fight against Kirby that mm-hmm. becomes bad for the game. Yeah. Um, it's I mean, you say game. that, but an all Kirby fighting game sounds OK. There is an all Kirby fighting game. <laughs> <laughs> they have to balance that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but also, I mean, I, I joke, but like there yeah. are other reasons you play as Kirby. Well, yeah, right, right. right because because you like the character, and I always thought that's interesting because that's how casual players play Smash is they mm-hmm. pick their favorite character. But even the high level players, there's a little bit of that. Motivation, oh, of course, right. And so that's very difficult when it comes to discussions yeah. about yeah. about balance and stuff. Like, does that make you more resistant to nerfing a character you love because you're just going to play as them anyway, or does it make you more upset because you're going to play that character anyway, so you can't? Do you know what I mean? That's a oh man, we, we should talk about nerfing and buffing. Did we talk about that before? We I don't should know. do that because that's really fun. You can go um, look through the archives at nicegames.club <laughs> slash feedback. No, it's just nicegames.club. Oh well, you can give us feedback about how many times we've mentioned this by going to the URL I just said. <laughs> yes. Um, um I'm on URL autopilot right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a lot of times like I read this a lot and it actually frustrates me. Um when um people are talking about like balance things, they're like, Boy, I wish that this character could do more stuff. Um and then other people are complaining, Oh, this character just does too many things. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people will say that like I'd rather than buff all of the weak characters and not nerf any of the good characters. Mm-hmm. And like when there's twenty some characters in your game. It makes a lot more sense to nerf like ridiculously overpowered characters yeah. versus uh, buffing, you know, 24 other characters. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because like that can cause a whole bunch of other problems that mm-hmm. you can't that, is, that are hard to anticipate. Yeah. Um, this is a case where like not not being so detailed in your patch notes would be kind of helpful. But especially for a community like Smash, they're like counting frames and everything. So mm-hmm. it's like the, nothing's going to slip by them. And so maybe having those details is a way for them to, so they don't have to do the detective work or come to wrong conclusions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's t- as a developer, it's kind of tough to think about that communication angle. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an aspect of it too. So like, because you kind of want everyone just to chill and play your game, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you, but you also want to you appreciate that they care so much. Yeah, right? well, and that's why I wanted to bring this topic up because like these kinds of things are, and it's not even necessarily just in a multiplayer setting; it can be in a single player setting too. Um, these kinds of things can affect the game and how people approach the game yes. in a way that can be detrimental to the experience that players are. are um, yeah, because like players want to, you know, get this thing done mm-hmm. um, and they're not necessarily because they're, you know, they're not the developers, so they don't know what the intent is. Mm-hmm. They just want to make sure that the game, you know, they are able to complete the game or whatever else. Um, so they will actively do things that will make their experience worse just because it. It, it seems like a benefit for them mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. And, and so it's not on the player's fault that this exploit is a thing, whatever exploit that is. 
But I guess as developers, we need to figure out whether or not this is this is something that we want to keep in the game because it, it you know, is beneficial. Because sometimes exploits actually end up helping the game in ways that they didn't intest- anticipate, mm-hmm. like with mm-hmm. wave dashing. Um, you know, it gives players an avenue to new movement abilities and stuff, and it yeah. makes the game flashier. You, you kind of have to balance that and figure out what it is mm-hmm. um, before you make rash decisions. It's rough. <laughs> Game development is hard. Yep, that's uh, I've heard that a few times. <laughs> that's like a, a sad but perennial note to go out on, probably. Yeah, we might have done that a few times already. <laughs> yeah, you can always check the archives to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice games that club. <laughs> that's our show. Check out our website. It's nicegames.club if you didn't catch it the first 50 times. For show notes and links to resources on today's topics, and yeah, previous episode stuff. <laughs> yep. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, maybe. And on our <laughs> and, but yeah, on our programming in general, definitely. Go to you guessed it, nicegames.club slash feedback to tell us what you think. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at NiceGamesClub, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and play date peripherals. Ooh. Or you can email us through contact at nicegames.club. Want to support the show? great. There are so many ways. You can give us a review on your favorite podcast app. You can tell your friends about your favorite episodes. And you can join us on Discord by visiting nicegames.club slash Discord. Lots of cool chats happening all the time over there. And we are also on Patreon. As a patron of the show, you'll enjoy bonus content, extra jokes, and more. Probably not a ton more mentions of the website. Um, But you can sign up at a different website, patreon.com slash nice games club. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. South in the sizzling city of Minneapolis. This is n- <laughs> sorry. What is this, Ellen? <laughs> this is Nice Games Club. Nice Games Club. This is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. Okay, well, uh, let's take two on that. One. <laughs> let's start. <laughs>
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.